with you all this morning. Well, thank God Joe Biden is the president-elect of the United States, huh? Wow. You see, Paul said that I have found the secret to contentment is to give thanks in all circumstances. And for whatever reason, the church has decided that we have determined where God is and where God is not based upon the political party by which we affiliate. And so if we can't thank God in all circumstances, regardless of who the president-elect of the United States is, then I wonder if we're actually thanking God at all or if there's some sort of circumstance that allows us to only thank God when things go our way because, after all, everybody knows God's a Republican. I had a great vacation. I took the week off during election week. I went to a place where I had hardly any cell service at all. We got an Airbnb, so we had to log into our online account because they didn't even have cable. And guess how much news I watched? About 3%. It was awesome. Man and I kind of had a deal where we'd spend about 30 minutes a day checking through our email and making sure that we didn't come back to a mess. And that was it. And it was awesome. It was absolutely great. And guess what? When I came back from that week's vacation, the world was exactly like it was before I left, messed up and in need of Jesus. We actually went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And did you know that in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, in Pigeon Forge and that whole work, do you know what is there? Dollywood. And do you know the only week of the year that Dollywood is closed was the week that I went on vacation to Dollywood? There it is, right there. You remember that scene in, in uh, the Lampoon's Vacation wherever they were going to Wally World and they got there and it was closed? This was pre-internet, right? So I guess this is all my, myself and my fault. But, but when they got there, they decided to go ahead and hijack John Candy and they were going to ride those rides. Nothing was going to stop them. Now we do that a lot of times, don't we? We, we? we make sure that, hey, I had a plan. Things were going to work out the way I want them to. And when I get there, I don't care what anybody else's plans are. I'm going to make that happen. We're not patient. We don't wait. We don't understand the bigger mission. But when we're on a mission, we fulfill that mission, right? Because they were going to Wally World and I was going to Dolly World. And the one week out of the year they closed was the week after Halloween getting ready for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Can you believe that? You can only know how sad my wife was about that. So much she tried to hike me to death. My little watch said 45 miles by the time the week was over. Hers said like 37. I'm really not sure how that works because half the time she goes a direction that I don't go and we have to go back and forth. So she should have walked a lot further than I did. But 45 miles and I felt every bit of the 44 years of life on my knees. But I had a great vacation. I want to tell you, church, thanks for for allowing me that opportunity, and I'm so blessed by Angelo to be able to walk in the pulpit. We watched him online last week. It's a great sermon, and I'm, I'm blessed by him, and we are too as a church. But church, i got to tell you something. We're here for, for a lot of different reasons. So I want to ask a question this morning, and this is good for us and for our online people. I want to encourage you, if you have your phone and you want to jump on our Facebook page to interact for a minute, say hello to our friends online. But here's my question for you. You ever have this mission that you're going on, when something gets in your way, you, you stay on it. And here's a good example. A new restaurant opened up in Katy. Now, you all know the rules on Katy restaurants. You can't go there for the first year that it's open because you can't get in. Gringos, right? You can't get in. I watched a whole page full of stuff yesterday on Facebook about not being able to call in and get an order. Oh, boo-hoo. I can't call in and get an order at a restaurant that I've never eaten at or I've eaten at all the time, right? But here's the question. How long do you wait for a table when you want to go someplace? So I gave you a couple options here. 
zero to 15 minutes, 15 to 45 minutes, or it depends upon the restaurant or the occasion. So what is it? Those of you who are in our crowd this morning and you're not online, which I encourage you to say hello, and if you're online, share this message this morning. We want to share the gospel with so many people. But what's the answer? Is it A, B, or C for you? And there's no right answer here. There is, but you don't have it. Just admit it. C? A? Impatient over here? A, impatient over there, C over here, depends on the occasion, right? Man, i got to be honest with you. I'm not sure it does depend on the occasion because when I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And the occasion is my belly's empty. And, and, and so if you're telling me 15 to 30 minutes, I'm hoping what you mean by that is we just tell everybody that to scare them away, but you really mean five. Now, we're empty nesters now, and so whenever we go someplace, the, the, the seating has changed a little bit from first available to bar to not next to children. And so that's just kind of where we are now. We've, 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 passed, we've passed through that realm, and we're okay with that. We don't have any grandkids yet, so we're in a sweet spot, right? There's none expected, so nobody think anything, okay? So how long do you wait? But, 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 but when you want to go to that restaurant or you're on a special occasion or whatever the deal, man, you're going to stay focused, right? Like, I've waited forever to go to this restaurant, so another 45 minutes is not going to matter. It matters to me, i got to be honest with you. It matters to me. I don't think I've ever wanted to. Th- I mean, Disney's got this figured out. If you've ever looked at those, they've got these fast passes where you can plan your whole day based upon when they tell you you can go ride the ride. I mean, that way you can accomplish your mission, right? And really, it's kind of messed up because they talk you into staying a couple extra days so you can ride more instead of coming back another time. But their mission is to keep you coming back and staying in the park, right? They're focused. They know exactly what's going on. You know, whenever we really want to do something, though, whenever we're really engaged in something, whenever our mind is really focused on what we want to do, whenever that's the case, we'll spend as much time as it takes to make sure we accomplish what that is, right? When something's really important to us. Many years ago, I had a lady that was in a Sunday school class that I was teaching, and we had hard tile floors, and she always wore high heels, and, and, and she'd clack those high heels right down, and she was late every single Sunday morning. And not only was she late every single Sunday morning, she walked right up to the front of the class and sat down right there in that spot and disrupted everything that was going on. And somebody says, John, you know, you're like Nike. You'll say anything. Could you say something to her back there? Well, why won't the rest of you say something to her? What's the deal? Okay. So I just simply said to her, ma'am, would you mind if, if, if you're going to be late and you are consistently late every single Sunday, would you mind just taking a seat in the back instead of coming all the way up to the front? I have three children. It is unrealistic of you to think that I'm going to be here on time. When your child needs surgery, you'll be at that hospital quickly. You've got to get on that airplane for that trip to Disney. You'll make sure you're there on time. I'm not really sure why God gets second place to your agenda every Sunday morning. You know, she wasn't happy with me. I could not believe the disdain she had for me. And you know what happened the next Sunday? She walked right back down that aisle 10 minutes late and sat down right there. We are stubborn people. And when things don't go our way, instead of adapting to them, we try to push our way into getting what we want. And I love hearing some of the people talking about leaving the United States because the vote didn't turn out the way they wanted. And I don't care what side of the aisle they sit on, red or blue or pink or purple or green or yellow or whatever it may be. I don't care. But isn't it interesting how when things don't go our way, I mean, Brim asked me just this last week, John, do you think we're in the end times? And, and you know, you've heard me talk about this before. But I had, to, I had to kind of fire back a little bit and say, you know what, if we're not in the end times, that just means we're a bunch of crybabies, aren't we? Because if this is the end times, I don't think we've seen anything yet. And if we're having a difficulty with this right here, with what's going on with the election, and we're not in the end times, well, 
they open up Dollywood soon because I'm going to need a ride like that. And we're in for a boom. You know, the, the disciples, whenever Jesus had died at Passover, he ascended three days later, rose back from the grave three days later, stayed there for 40 days, and then he ascended. And as he was ascending, in Acts chapter 1, we get a, one of the five times the Great Commission is presented to us in the Bible. And the Great Commission, in, in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, it says, basically, the, the disciples were standing around Jesus, and they were saying, is, is, is this the time, Lord, you're going to elevate Israel back to its kingdom? Are you going to come and be the ruler? And he says, I don't, the time is not up to you or to me. But I will tell you this, in Acts 1.8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. And then Jesus was taken up in a cloud, and as he was going up in the cloud, there were two guys in white, and all the 11 remaining apostles were looking and going, what just happened? And they looked down and they said, hey guys, just as you saw Jesus leave, you're going to see him come back. And, and, and at that moment, I think it's important for us to understand, especially right now, God is not at war with humanity right now. And, and if your candidate didn't win, you may be thinking that he is, but I'm going to tell you something. God is not at war with humanity. He's at war with sin, and he's going to win that war. He's already won. But when Jesus does come back, as he went up in the cloud and comes back, he will declare war on humanity and all of sin and everything else. But in the meantime, he tells us we will receive power from the Holy Spirit and we will be his witnesses throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. Now, as he went up in the cloud, the apostles are standing there going, I don't know what's going on here. And a couple of days probably passed. And you know what they did next? This is amazing. You know what they did next? They held an election. You see, Judas had hung himself after betraying Jesus. It says that he hung himself headlong, which leads us to the belief that his gut spilled out because he hung himself or he was decaying or whatever. He knew he had betrayed the one and only Son of God. And so they had to replace him. And it said that in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 26 says, And they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. The other one was a guy named Justice, and he was numbered amongst the 11 apostles. So guess what? Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of all mankind, was taken away from them, and he left them there, and he empowered them to do a job, and he says, don't stop doing what you're doing, because we got to stay on point here, fellas. we got to keep doing what we're supposed to do, so go and replace the 12, because he always traveled with the 12. Don't know why. There's another reason for that. We won't get into it today, and they did so, and you know what they did after that? They sued everybody trying to get the election changed. No, that's not what they did. No, what they did after that was they waited in an upper room and all of a sudden a sound like a mighty rushing wind and flames like tongues rested upon these, these apostles and they were standing there at Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, one of the three feasts by which they were commanded to come to Jerusalem and the place was filled with people and they were everywhere and people heard this sound. They didn't actually feel the wind, they heard the sound. So God went audio-visual that day. And these men stood up, they began to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, whom they had just crucified. And when men heard this, they were pierced to their very heart. They even accused the apostles of being drunk. Look what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. It says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Look, remember Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria? Men of Judea. Let this be known to you and give ear to my word, for these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. 
You see, when people stay on mission, especially when things get in their way, whenever things get hard, whenever it looks crazy, when it's not the popular thing, people look at you like there's something wrong with you. Do you not know that your Savior just died and then he left you? He just got taken up into heaven and you guys are going to do what? And how did you suddenly get this power to begin to speak to me in no human languages? You guys are from Galilee. You're not very bright. You're poorly educated. And yet you're speaking my language. And not only are you speaking my language, I'm hearing the truth of this. And I know all about this Jesus whom we crucified. I was here 50 days ago. I watched it. I cheered it on. I laughed at him. I spit at him when he walked up the mountain carrying his own cross. I clapped whenever they cast lots for his clothing. When they pulled out his beard and jammed the crown of thorns onto his head, I thought it was the greatest thing I ever saw. And now you're telling me he was the son of God, the savior of mankind, the one that we were promised about for generation after generation after generation. And I put him on that cross. And you did so in a language that I could understand. What are we to do? Scripture says that Peter looks right at him and says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. There's a saying in theological terms called the missio dei. I'm not a Latin person, so I don't know if that's phonetically correct. But it's the sending ministry of God. And it looks actually very simple. The Father sent the Son. Because he looked at mankind and said, these They need help. And the Son sent the Spirit. He says, behold, a a counselor is going to come for you. One with power is going to fall upon you. And you're going to be my witnesses throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. You're going to need help. I'm going to give it to you. The Father sent the Son. The Son sent the Spirit. And the Spirit, look at this, sends, not sent, sends us. Present imperative. It continues on. It's a constant sending See, when Jesus, when we read about him in the Bible, he always went places. But he told us to go places. And we're so worried about the history of what he did instead of realizing of what we're supposed to be doing. And so the Missio D is this idea that the mission of God is to, to bring people back to the right relationship with him. And the way that he decided to do that was to send his son, his perfect spotless lamb of God, down to be the sacrifice for all mankind to forgive them for their sins knowing that most would reject him, and he did so anyway. And Jesus said, just as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, but I'm going to send a helper to you, that being the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's something that any of you with a Baptist background are probably afraid of. Let's just be honest. See, the mystery, the unknown, the Holy Spirit is a powerful, powerful tool, resource. He actually prays for us. Did you know that? And we don't know what to pray for. And we receive power when he comes upon us. Whenever we say, yes, I believe in this son that the father sent for the salvation of all mankind. Now what am I supposed to do now that I believe this? Go tell somebody else about it. This missio D is the continuing ministry of God to reconcile mankind back to its creator. Because I'm telling you, God is not at war with humanity at the moment. But he will be. And that's good news. Because if he were, there would be no hope for any of us whatsoever. And there's at least 70 million people on one side of the aisle or the other who is certain the other 70 million are wrong. But I can guarantee you there's 140 million and probably
probably a whole lot more than that when we can know the right answers. Because that mission doesn't change regardless of what color you vote on. At all. And so you know what? Whether it's Trump or Biden or whoever else, I'm going to follow Paul and I'm going to give thanks in all circumstances because that is the secret to contentment. I would encourage you to do this, whether you take a piece of paper now or you take a piece of paper later or in your, your, your mental place right now, I would, I would ask you to put two columns down. And I hope, I hope this hurts a little bit because I love you. But I, I want you to put two columns. I want you to put on one column, I want you to put down all the freedoms you're afraid you might lose in the next four years. And on the other side, I want you to put down all the freedoms you failed to exercise in the last four years. And I want you to categorize this according to what God has called you to do by giving you the power of the Holy Spirit, just as he did the apostles. Do you think some democratic vote, and I mean like Democrat, like as a republic, is going to stop the Holy Spirit from empowering you to be about God's mission and continuing the mission of God? Just as the Father sent the Son, the Son sent the Spirit, and the Spirit sends us. Asterisk, only if our party wins party may have won last time how effective were you for the gospel of Jesus Christ if you have your Bible with you I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 we're going to talk about that mission of God and what that mission is and how we play a role in that mission of God and how he has equipped us how he has called us how he has pushed us and motivated us how he has given us clarity in what that mission is and what we're supposed to do. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to start ourselves in verse 18, and we're going to read about this ministry of reconciliation. This is what we're sent to do. This is what the Holy Spirit is in a constant state of sending us to do, is to reconcile mankind back to its creator. Because at the moment, we're not at war with God, and God is not at war with us. Let me put that the other way around. We are at war with God. That's what sin is. We are at war with him each and every day. God's not at war with us. And those of us who profess Jesus Christ, those of us who are Christians, we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we read in verse 18 through 20. It says this, All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Just as the Father has sent the Son, the Son has sent the Spirit, and the Spirit is sending us. He is sending us to reconcile those who are far from God, separated from God, who are not with him because he has entrusted us with the message of reconciliation that says if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, you confess that with, with your mouth, believe that in your heart, you shall be saved. It is his belief, it is our belief, it is our ongoing mission to reconcile people back to a God that they do not know, do not like, do not trust, and will not follow. And despite all of that, that God sent his son to die on a cross for us, who in turn empowered us with the Holy Spirit so that we might be his witnesses throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I love going on mission trips, but i got to tell you something. I've seen more people empowered with the Holy Spirit around a bunch of people they didn't know than the people that they live next door to. 
And our Jerusalem, the folks around us, is a hard place to minister. Ask Jesus. They killed him in his hometown. But it's the first place we're told to be. And it has nothing to do with our abilities, our skills, our desires, or anything else. It has to do with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit takes over us in such a way that we can't control ourselves. What it does is that God refines in us and pours out of us this ministry of reconciliation that he has entrusted to us with the good news that there is a God who saves and he sent his son to die to free us because he loves mankind. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not tell you. And I go there to prepare a place for you. Insert your name. Insert the name of your neighbor. Insert the name of the person who lives down the street. Folks, listen. While we tear one another apart politically in this country, while our ideologies are pushing us one way or the other, while we're turning off friends or not talking about things we ought to be talking about, what we ought to be talking about is this ministry of reconciliation. It does not matter who won that race. It does not matter who the next president of the United States is. It doesn't matter who the president of the United States was 50 years ago or will be in 50 years. What matters is that I am a child of the king because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And he has reconciled me to him, and he wants to reconcile you to him as well. And he has sent you and me to do that. He has entrusted us with the gospel. He has entrusted us with the good news. He has entrusted us with the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. So how do we fulfill this ministry of reconciliation? How do we continue this mission? Let me tell you something, friends. If you hear nothing else today, I want you to hear these words. Regardless of the outcome, the mission of God continues. Regardless of the outcome, the mission of God must continue. Regardless of who wins or doesn't win or, or what rights we lose or don't lose or Medicare for all or, or for none or taxes at 35% or 80% or socialism, independentism, whatever it is, it is, regardless of all those things, Jesus Christ is still the Son of God and he sits on the throne waiting for us. And anybody who does not believe in him will die and spend eternity in hell. Bottom line, doesn't get any clearer than that. And we either need to be okay with that, which means you should probably draw a map of your community and go, yep, good with him going to hell, good with them going to hell, good with them not being with Jesus. If you had half the fervor for a God that loves you that you do for your politics, then we wouldn't have half the issue in our politics we have today. I believe that with all my heart. And that's just talking to me. And when we reconcile, what we do is we balance the accounts. And what happened for the account to be out of balance was that sin entered this world and death entered with it. And because that, we owed a debt we could not pay. And Jesus says, I'll pay for it. I'll do it. I will reconcile your account before the God that sent me. And now I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he is sending you. Regardless of the outcome, the mission of God must continue. And the way that God has designed for the mission to continue is through us, through his bride, the church, those who have professed this Jesus who has saved us, who believe that he is the son of the living God. And there are people out there who need to know that truth. And so how do we continue this mission today? Well, I think Paul tells us that in 2 Corinthians when he talks to us about we are ambassadors of Christ. 
an ambassador of Christ is a representative of, of the message of Jesus and the person of Jesus. People ought to see Jesus oozing out of us no matter where we go. They will know us by how we love one another, Jesus said. They will know you by the fruit that you bear. They will also know that a, a, a tree that bears no fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. It's time for us to be the ambassadors we're called to be. And so let me give you a couple of ways by which I think we're called to do that. First of all, ambassadors are chosen. Now, that might be an interesting thing for some of you, depending upon where your theology is, so don't go too deep with me on this, okay? But ambassadors are chosen. You ever known who our ambassadors are to different countries and different places? They're chosen. They're asked to go there, and sometimes they volunteer, sure, but they are chosen by an authority who says you should go to that place. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 says this, But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. We're chosen as ambassadors because God has trusted us with the gospel, and he knows that if he has trusted us with the gospel, that we're going to go and do and say the things to the people who need to hear it to please God, not to please them. Many times our ambassadors today, when they go to other countries, they live in a compound. That's, that's, that's considered, uh, uh, that soil is considered part of the nation by which they came from, and so it's sovereign. But they have to do business with everybody outside of the sovereign soil of wherever they represent. And they're chosen to do so based upon a lot of qualifications. Maybe they speak the language. Maybe they have connections and ties. In our world today, maybe they paid somebody. I don't know. But when it comes to being an ambassador for Christ, what it comes down to is that we've been entrusted with the gospel. Let me tell you something. If you do not have the gospel, if you don't have the truth of who Jesus is, you're not an ambassador for Christ. But if you do have the truth of who Jesus is and you're not fulfilling your call to be an ambassador of Christ, then I, need to, I just need to be honest with you. I need to ask about your salvation. I really do. And I hate doing that. I don't like doing that. But I need to ask about your salvation. And I'm going to get to this in a little bit more in just a minute. Because if we've been given power by the Holy Spirit, and he's the one that sends us, then nothing we do is going to be enough because we need that power, that authority that comes from the God that sent the Son, the Son that sent the Spirit, and the Spirit that empowers us and sends us. And he sends us with a specific message of the good news of Jesus Christ for all mankind to be reconciled back to their Creator. And so it doesn't matter how any of these outcomes show up because the mission of God is going to continue, and the question is, is it going to continue with or without you? And sadly... The question needs to be, will it continue with or without the lost person in your life? You see, it's not a democracy when it comes right down to it. You don't get to vote people into the kingdom of heaven. You don't get to say, oh, they're a good person, they did a couple of good deeds, let's get them a little extra room. They can't stand before God and say, I know you and your son died for me. They don't. It is that simple. It is that clear. Ambassadors are chosen, and God has chosen us. He's chosen us as his people because it's somewhere we realize our need for a Savior. And he says, because you realize your need for a Savior, you've got a story that needs to be told, and you need to go and tell it so that people can be reconciled to me. Because I'm not at war with humanity yet while I'm here. And when the bill comes due, I want to be able to look and say, they're balanced. They're balanced. And their names are written in red in the book of life, and only the Lamb of God has the right to take on that cross going to be in it. I hope your name's going to be in it. What about your lost friend? You're not sequestered into service in the kingdom of God. You're chosen for it. You shouldn't belabor, oh, i got to go tell people about Jesus. 
this is so hard. Oh, no, this makes me feel so Oh, I can't tell people about Jesus because there's a Democrat in the White House. Just stop it all. Genghis Khan was approached by Marco Polo. Many of you played that game in swimming pool. What you don't know about Marco Polo, perhaps, is that Genghis Khan asked for missionaries to come to Mongolia. And at that time, Mongolia actually controlled most of China as we know it today, as well as that small little part of Mongolia in Siberia. He petitioned the Pope to send him a thousand missionaries. You know how many he sent? Three. I just wonder what the world may look like on the eastern part of our planet had they actually sent a thousand missionaries into the world. Who would they send out? The Lord asked Solomon, Whom shall I send? The Lord said, Me. The second thing about ambassadors, though, is that we are equipped. This is perhaps one of the greatest lies we tell ourselves and believe is that we're not equipped to be ambassadors for Christ. We're not equipped to tell others about Jesus. I don't know enough about the Bible. I haven't been in church long enough. I still have some bad habits and some sins. Welcome to humanity. Welcome to humanity. You're a sinner. You've been forgiven, which Jesus would now call you a saint. If you look through the New Testament, he doesn't refer to those who believe in him as sinners anymore. He calls them saints. We're being made perfect. We're not perfect. We're still going to be prone to do some things. But when we get into a place that says, I can't do this, we must remember that we are equipped to do so. And as anybody sends an ambassador to live in a foreign land, we need to remember what Philippians 3.20 tells us. And Paul tells us this. says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. See, ambassadors are citizens representing another country, another nation. And if you're a Christ follower, you have no home on this earth. You're not from here. You are an alien. You are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. And so wherever you are, you're a visitor. You're an alien. I remember being in Mongolia a couple of years ago, and the airport's about half the size of this room. And every time I tried to fly out of there, we were always delayed a good 24 hours. And there was a couple of reasons for that. Why we're delayed for 24 hours, you know what happens to an airport of any size when all the flights are delayed for 24 hours? It fills up. And guess what they serve lots of? alcohol. And so I'm sitting here with my friends from the U.S. There's a couple of Brits over here, and then there's one guy who has had a little too much alcohol in the last 24 hours of being trapped in a room half this size, and guess where he's from? He's an American. And my new British friends could not help but remind me of my countrymen. And I told them if we were to roll back to 1776, would they take him back? Like it or not, he was an ambassador of the United States wherever he was, and he was asking us to remember. We are visitors wherever we are, but our citizenship is in heaven. And because we are chosen, we're equipped because God's not going to send us a place where we cannot fulfill what his mission is. He's going to give us all that we need because he told us when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we'll receive power. When he sent out the 72, Jesus told them to take nothing with them. He said, walk into a house, pray peace and blessing upon this house, and if, if blessing returns, then stay there. If not, shake the dust off your feet and keep on walking. He said, carry no, no tunic, no extra tunic, no coin, no anything. Go and just proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Oh, but I've got to have a theology degree. Oh, I've got to have this. Oh, I've got to have No, you don't. What you need to have 
is a solid foundation of understanding that the mission of God continues. He's called and equipped me to be a part of that as his ambassador, and I have everything that I need in order to do that because no matter where I go, I'm not at home. And the second I feel comfortable not sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, I need to question whether or not I know it or not. Those of you who have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is probably a weird conversation, but this is a direct word to the church, to the people who have made that proclamation. And the proclamation is not get out and vote. The proclamation is get out and tell the story of Jesus Christ to other people. For this is what you were called for. This is what you were equipped for. This is what you not only signed up for, but this is what Jesus died for, so that the mission of God would continue on. And don't say you don't have what you need because you've got plenty of the revelation of God right here in his word. You have the promise of his Holy Spirit, the comforter, the power that you need, and you have your story of salvation to tell with somebody else. Leads me to the third point, that ambassadors are accountable. And this is a word that I just don't think we understand anymore is accountability. I don't think we fully understand what it means accountable. Does that mean I get caught? No, that means that you get held to a standard that you signed up for and agreed to that you understand the consequences of your actions. And those actions carry through. And there are three little things in here that I want you to see is that an ambassador is accountable to pray for the lost. Romans chapter 10, verse 1, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. I just, I just don't have the skills to be an evangelist. I just don't have the call to go tell somebody about Jesus. I can't just walk up to somebody and, and say anything about their sin. Well, of course you can if you haven't told them about it. If you're not even going to bother to just talk between you and God for the salvation of mankind, to play your role in the reconciliation of Jesus Christ, to follow through with what the mission is, is that all might be saved, whether it be your countrymen or, or somebody else's, then it doesn't matter what else you do because no movement of God starts without prayer. Not a one. And church, our church, big C church out there, we are devoid of prayer. We're devoid of prayer in our personal lives. We're devoid of prayer in our corporate lives when we get to worship. We are devoid of it. Maybe perhaps we just don't believe that God's actually going to listen to us. Maybe we don't know how to pray. Oh, I can't pray so eloquently as that other person over there. You know what? I can't stand to hear somebody who just waxes on forever and ever and ever with all these big words and everything else. I'd much rather hear somebody babble through tears of knowing how much you love them. And if they get to stand before their God and say, I love you and I honor you and you've forgiven me, then I need to go tell somebody else how much I love them. If you are not willing to pray for the lost, you have no right no responsibility at all to call yourself a Christian. None. And I would appreciate it if you'd stop doing that. I would rather you just proclaim yourself something different than a Christian. I don't have time to pray for the lost. Thank you, you're not my first question. I don't have time. I don't have you checked the box years ago, somebody else has. And if your politics are really what you think they are, there's seven million people who don't have that box. An ambassador is also called to 
share this story. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek, to the Gentile and the Israelite, to the Kadiite and the Philistine, to the Bushurium and to the ashamed of the gospel then don't do it don't do it you don't have to do it it is not you who has the capacity to love it is Christ through you that has the capacity to love and he changes our hearts to do so and he empowers us through the Holy Spirit that he says will be with us he resides with us always and my goodness I feel like sometimes we're either we either got both hands in our ears or both hands on his mouth because we don't want to hear that you have a story of salvation to tell. And listen, some of y'all are messed up. Y'all got some junk in your past. I mean, it's frightening to listen and read some of your stories. You've all heard a powerful testimony before. Of the person who went to prison and did drugs, had three abortions, woke up with needle marks and all that. Stuff. You've heard all these things, how God saved them. Let me tell you something. Salvation for that person is not any different than salvation for you. And just because you're not as bad a sinner as what they were, your terms might not be. doesn't mean your salvation is any better. I would not trade someone else's past to have their story told about Jesus. I got my own. And that's all I need. And it's not a comparison. It's not a game. It's just telling the truth about, hey, you know what? I was separated from God because of my sin, regardless of what they were. The ones that people knew about them and the ones that only God knew about them. He forgave me of those sins. And he did so because regardless of the outcome of an election or anything else, his mission continues, and his mission is to seek and to save those who are lost, and not once was lost in Marion County. That's your story. If you're going to be an ambassador of Christ, you have a responsibility to share your story unashamedly. And you don't do so by your own authority or your own eloquence. You do so by the power of the Holy Spirit. The third thing we see as far as being accountable is this, that ambassadors are accountable to Jesus. Oh, here he goes. He's talking about money. You better believe him, man. Let me tell you why. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Church, we're in a financial position that's actually pretty okay. We're solid. But we've been dipping into the savings for the last couple of months. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, we've got some folks that are out of work. I understand that. Two, we have some people move. I understand that too. Three, we've got some folks who have not utilized the principle of tithing and giving. Let me just tell you the truth about this. I don't know who gives what, and I do not care, but I will tell you this. Stop holding back from God. I don't care how much it is. A dollar, five dollars, ten thousand, I don't care what it is. Stop holding back from God because it is when we fund the ministries of this church and ministries throughout the world and other places where the gospel is being proclaimed because of the power of the Holy Spirit that was sending everyone to go and tell others about the reconciliation of God to continue the mission. When we give, we have a responsibility to do so. Now, let me just be honest. If it's okay, I haven't been very foolish today at all. I've held back some, and that's probably why. Many people would be good just writing a check as long as they didn't have to count the fingers like that. I don't like that, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I'll just be honest with you. I believe in what we're doing here as a church. I believe in where we're doing it. I believe in our leadership, and I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he has called us to do. But I do believe that we have a responsibility, not just to bring money into the coffers. We have a responsibility to trust God with everything. And there are fewer places where you can show your dependency on God more than you're here. Fewer places. Anybody feel guilty? Do not give if you feel guilty. That is not a message. 
of his own heart that he should do, not by compulsion, as Paul tells us. You have the ability to do so, then do so. If you want to make some adjustments in your life, then do so. Let me tell you something. People get saved when the message gets spread. And it takes resources to do that. And the bride of Christ, the church, you, have those resources. It's not designed to pay somebody else to be the missionary for the gospel. It's designed to equip us all to share the gospel. And we need that. We need that in our church. We're about two and a half years away from not being able to continue to do this, but I think we're coming. But I think we need to reevaluate where our giving is as a church. Because we have a responsibility to be accountable as ambassadors for Christ to say that we're going to fund the ministry of reconciliation. We're called to do so as leaders. Finally, I want to leave you with this. Ambassadors have clear mission parameters. Anybody who's been on mission know that you have a goal, you have objectives, you have rules and engagements, you have different things that you can and cannot do. And Jesus simply said this in a very familiar passage in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. He says, And Jesus came and he said to them, being the apostles, All authority, underline that word if it's not already, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, to all nations and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. I think we miss probably the greatest thing in the ministry of reconciliation, that God is not at war with mankind. Even though Jesus is not with us in the, in the flesh and right in front of us, he has empowered us with the Holy Spirit. He's told us, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, and those that belong to me will never be taken out of my hand. And so do not worry about what the world may hurt you with. The only one who can harm you is Jesus himself and can harm your very soul. And so if you've got a story to tell, and you do have a story to tell that may lead to the reconciliation of somebody else because of what Christ did for you, you need to get out there and tell that story. And don't worry about being out there by yourself. You are never alone as long as the Holy Spirit is with you and Jesus is with you. And guess what? I can't feel him. I'm sitting in an emotion you feel. I just don't know where God is. I haven't heard him talk to me in a while. I've read your Bible. There's a lot of pages in there where he's talking to you. Well, God just really knew all the things I've done. Really? Have you found the magic place by which God doesn't know the things that you do or haven't done? You see, that's the thing about the Holy Spirit that we fail to remember is that he's there to not only stop us, but to encourage us and bring us back whenever we step out of line. And we will and we do. And Jesus knows that. In fact, you know what? There are people out there who are not reconciled to God. They actually probably need to see some of your stories. They need to see grace demonstrated in your life. They need to see mercy fulfilled in your life. They need to hear forgiveness in your life. You are entrusted with the gift of the Holy Spirit and with the gospel to be ambassadors for Christ. And you need to start praying. You need to start telling. And you need to start giving to those ministries so that we can continue to do so. And if you ever think for a second that you don't have a role in this church, then I would ask you to really review a little bit differently and find out what your role is in God's kingdom. David Livingston, and I'll end with this this morning, was a missionary to Africa. He was there for, gosh, 40, 50 years. He's actually one responsible for having mapped out most of the African continent. He is responsible for telling us about where the slave trade was coming from and where it was going to the west coast 
uh, to, to Senegal and to the east coast to Tanzania. And in that, he watched these people groups, these tribes, and everything else. For 40 years, he was a missionary there. Do you know? To this day, we think he only ever led one person to faith in Jesus Christ. Only one person. And some people may call that a failure. But I guarantee you that one person's in heaven right now with Jesus, and he doesn't think he failed at all. David Livingston opened up a doorway for missionaries to go to Africa, and thousands of people have come to faith in Jesus Christ because of his efforts. And so don't think that what you do is insignificant, but I will tell you what you don't do absolutely matters. Regardless of the outcome, regardless of the outcome, the mission of God continues. And you don't get to quit the mission. We have to continue to go. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that he died for us, but he didn't just leave us alone. He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we might know